0: Welcome to the discussion, Government Modernization Unleashed, Workforce,
1: sponsored by EY. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. My guests today are Kimia Lee, the Deputy Chief Human Capital Officer for Strategic Operations at Homeland Security Department. Kimia, thanks so much for taking the time to join me. Thank you. We're also joined by Sharon Wong, the Executive Director for Strategic Talent Recruitment, Inclusive Diversity and Engagement or Stride, also at the Homeland Security Department. Sharon, thank you too for joining us.
2: Thank you for inviting me.
1: Today we are talking, as, as you can tell by their titles, about the recruiting new employees, retaining employees, working with hiring managers. The whole focus area over the last couple of years has been really to try to improve how agencies recruit, retain, and, and really model themselves to, to for the next generation of, of workers. So Kimmy, I'll start with you. Let's talk a little bit about the Homeland Security Department strategy to recruit these new employees and specifically how has it evolved over the last few years? Um, thanks for
0: the question. I- not only at Homeland Security, but I would imagine both in federal, the federal space, but also in private sector, uh, how we were recruiting three, even two years ago doesn't work right now. Like we had to make a shift. And for us, that shift is not only uh, internally one taking care of our employees who are on board, but really reimagining and being a little more innovative of how we um, one uh, uh, advertise our um, uh, jobs, but also just tapping into talent, uh, even before they're starting to think, oh, maybe I can work at Homeland Security. And so part of that is not only working with some of the universities, but we're also starting to think through how do we tap into those communities that we're serving. And so it may be a 12 year old or a 15 year old, and they're in a community and they see Homeland Security, we can start getting them interested at a younger age. Um, When you think about the tools that we have for recruiting and hiring, uh, it changed. Uh, The pandemic changed everything. And so now we do have more flexibility, and we realize that uh, productivity uh, increases when maybe you don't have to be in the office. And so this gives us the opportunity to touch on uh, areas that we weren't recruited for before, because maybe someone in Utah doesn't want to move to the Washington, D.C. area. But now, because we have lots of flexibilities for either telework or remote work, we can uh, tap into that overall talent um, outside of our um, Washington DC, but also areas where we usually recruit. Sharon, um, do you wanna uh, add to anything?
2: Sure, I mean, Kimmy, I think that was a great answer. You captured it all, right? You started with how we used to do it a very traditional way like that everybody else was doing, was in person, right? And the pandemic really forced us to look at it differently, and and even now as we're we're coming, you know, we're we're back in person for the most part, because it also taught us to continue some of those virtual engagements, right? Because if you think about it, in person, in person ones, if you had it at a location, folks had to come into that. But now we can, we we're doing some of these hybrid ones, even though we are now going back in-person ones. But also, as our strategy has evolved, it's who we are including, right? And I'll give a little bit more detail uh, than than what Kimia did. But it's how we're now engaging groups, right? Like we talk about our employee resource groups, right? At at DHS, we call them employee associations. But it's not your typical when you think of uh, uh, ERGs, right? We They're not just for, you know, Hispanics or African-Americans. Our employee groups uh, are broadened to like returning Peace Corps volunteers. We have have an employee group around that, veterans, and they are really the ones that have been outreaching, getting the word out to families, colleagues, people in those specific communities. We have now, you know, relationships with colleges and universities. We have developed um, memorandums of of understandings with with over two dozen, minority serving institutions. So we're really expanding our strategy, you know, uh, making use of of technology. We've been doing these webinars, DHS is hiring webinars in advance of of recruiting events. And at these events, we we talk about the event, what's coming, you know, who are we targeting, what our mission is, available job opportunities. So people don't just show up an event, right? They're targeted, they know. At these webinars, we're even helping them providing tips and tools for even how they write your resumes, right? Because you think of how you write a, a federal resume, right? We, the, the things that are important, we also look at it by generations. What we're seeing that's important to the younger generations these days is about our inclusive diversity efforts. So we talk about that, not just strictly the mission, but a very holistic picture.
1: Two things I'll go back to, because I think this is very much key. First, what Kimia said about Uh, trying to get into the communities, maybe communities that maybe have been underserved before, or just maybe you haven't paid enough attention to because they were so far outside of the DC area. Uh, And and then looking at that next generation, are there things you're doing through your current employees to kind of help them tell that story about why working at DHS is valuable, why you can make a difference and why you should do more than just consider it? Are there things you all are doing around uh, to kind of help those hiring managers, HR employees kind of tell that compelling story?
0: So I, I think it's not just a hiring manager's HR, um, you know, our secretary believes that everyone, every employee at DHS is a recruiter. And so when we're sitting at our tables with our family, we're talking about our work, we're talking about DHS when we're playing, you know, pick up basketball in a community center. Um, we are recruiters, we are ambassadors to DHS. And so I think that's why it's so important for that interplay between being a recruiter, understanding what's going on at DHS um, and taking care of our employees who are at DHS. And so we can't separate the recruitment part from the folks, uh, the employee engagement and the morale part. And so I do think it is that we are over 250,000 strong. And so that means we have over 250,000 recruiters out there telling our story
2: you know and and if I may just build on that you know how we are telling this story and I said you know it's through the use of all of these technology right whether we do webinars or but one of the things we do is we do these what we call a day in the life of, so you put our employees in front of, whether it's a camera or whether it's an in-person event, that really share the stories and advice regarding careers or, or personal and professional growth. Uh, you know, talk about what is that they do, and that's why it's called a day in the life, because then I think people can see and relate, right? If I tell you what my life is every day, I think that becomes much more impactful, right? Another thing, too, you know, as you talk about how do we ensure that both HR and hiring managers, right, there, we want to make sure that you're all aware of the flexibilities that are out there, right? We've talked about there's over 100 different hiring authorities that exist to bring in qualified um, candidates, right? And that that is humanly impossible to remember all 100 and which one to use when. So it's marrying it up that hiring manager who that's not his or her job. Uh, or their job to know what those are, and that's why why, why that 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 marriage is such between the HR and the hiring manager to tell that compelling story.
1: I've heard that number before—the hundred different hiring authorities. It's something that is just crazy. First, you know, soon everything will be a hiring authority, and nothing will be just a typical hire. But I think that's above all our pay grades to to, to discuss that. Uh, the other thing I'll go back to is something that obviously, Sharon, you you brought up the employee resource groups, the employee associations. Uh, You said some of those folks, whether it's returning Peace Corps uh, volunteers or veterans are some of your best uh, ways to get the word out. Is that something that you all developed over the last couple of years? Have they been uh, within DHS for several years and you've re-energized them recently? Talk a little bit about those groups. Sure,
2: we have uh, we have over a dozen currently that are department wide, right? But even within our various uh, components and agencies, they have their own um, uh, EAs as well, right? The employee associations, and I would say some of the you know, of course, there's uh, several that are fairly new, that like the returning Peace Corps volunteers, right? Though that one has really been within the last couple of years. Um, but I will say that some of the more established ones, even the ones now. It's been more a reinvigorating, right? We also have our deputy secretary that um, has been is such a champion because before he was at DHS, he was a champion out in private industry. So he's really latched on to the employee associations, and and because of uh, because of his uh, interest and championing, we have really seen much more active involvement. And you know they serve many purposes, right? There are those that, of course, they'll do the network. They're, they're there for networking, building their community. There's there's there are those that do uh, outreach to communities. There are those that will put on their own big conferences, right, for their community. So it really ranges. And and so yes, it has been a a reinvigorating. But then there are those that have been existing for some time. Um, but the sense we get, they're all very excited, right? Our deputy secretary. Uh, has committed to meeting with at least one every month. I mean, to have that kind of exposure and visibility really gets people engaged that he's willing to take the time to sit down, listen, champion, advocate for them.
1: The other thing that does is it really creates that connection. You mentioned some have conferences, some do networking, some are doing outreach, but also creates that connection within the entire department because as as Kimio said, it's two hundred fifty thousand strong. It's a lot of people, a lot of very complex missions, a lot of very different missions. CBP does something different than TSA, which does something different than FEMA, but they all work together. Kimio, maybe maybe I'll, this is a question for you. Is this also part of that employee engagement challenge? Because you know, for years DHS has struggled with the FEBS scores, but we've seen some increases happening. Is this part of how you are addressing the challenges around employee engagement?
0: So, like you mentioned, you know, CBP's mission is uh, very different than TSA. That's very different than Coast Guard or let's see. Um And so what we're doing is uh, part of the overall engagement is we're also taking headquarters and really working with the field. So having a better understanding what's going on and those uh, pretty complex uh, components But uh, allowing headquarters employees, uh, what we call our our engagement team, go to uh, on-the-ground field sectors to see what it's like for them to work in their environment. And what we're trying to do is there's some stuff that uh, we're hoping we could correct pretty quickly, right? And so there's some basic needs that we feel that, by addressing those basic needs. Hey, this printer haven't worked for three years. Or, you know, if only we had X. Or if only we had faster Wi-Fi. By allowing headquarters, whether headquarters, the headquarters or those component headquarters um, with uh, teams, go out to the field and talk with those employees, whether it's not as focus groups, uh, one-on-ones, and see if we can really, address some of those basic needs pretty quickly and cut through some of the red tape that you know everyone has with a, a large agency to help with their overall engagement. Uh, the other thing I want to say specifically, since we talked about uh, employee associations and a community, um, part of that engagement is engaging with their families. And so specifically, when we talk about our agents, our Border Patrol agents, our officers, our frontline workers, um, we understand when they're in the front line, their family's also in the front line. And so we're taking this approach where we are meeting as a community to talk through what's going on at the department, but also benefits and seeing if we could really think of our employees with their whole experience, not just their 10 hour, 12 hours shift.
1: All right, that's a good spot. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we will continue our conversation. You're listening to the discussion, Government Modernization Unleashed, Workforce, sponsored by EY on Federal News Network.
0: Government agencies face pressure to modernize programs and optimize operations. With EY, you can unleash the power of progress and move from strategy to execution. We are at the forefront of shaping how the government responds to complex challenges, providing technology-enabled solutions to help you transform at the federal, state, and local levels. Together, we are building a stronger country for the people. Learn more at ey.com govmod.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion, Government Modernization Unleashed Workforce, sponsored by EY on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Kimia Lee. The Deputy Chief Human Capital Officer for Strategic Operations for the Homeland Security Department. And Sharon Wong, the Executive Director of the Strategic Talent Recruitment Inclusive Diversity Engagement, or STRIDE, also at the Homeland Security Department. Sharon, Kimia, before break, we heard a little bit about the engagement piece and, and the idea that, as Kimia talked about, uh, going out to the field, talking with the folks who work in the day to day operations and figure out, okay, what do they need? How can uh, headquarters help them cut through some of that red tape, as well as working with families? Sharon, let me turn to you a little bit and ask you to offer a little bit of of insights in terms of, from your perspective with Stride, how are you also addressing that engagement challenge?
2: Sure, Um, you know, Kimia, again, Kimia has really put a very high level frame on it, but, you know, everything that we've done, we came up with this new framework, right? Our employee engagement framework. And we're looking at that to really use it to measure and improve our everyday employee experience, right, And, and it's focused around enhancing our ability to hear employee input, and then really infuse their voices. It's one thing that we go around and we listen, but are we really taking what you're saying? And are we really doing something with that? And are we really making meaningful change? And we are doing this through pulse surveys. Kimia talked about, you know, uh, the focus groups or how we're going on on, on the ground, but we're, we're, we're doing this through, you know, the pulse surveys. We do focus groups. We're going out to um, the border, whether it's the southern border, the, the, the northern border, um, and even leadership visits. Right, uh, our secretary and deputy secretary or do these employee engagement and even senior leader um, engagement efforts. And so what this framework does, it, it posits really six dimensions that are the, the primary drivers of the employee experience. So this whole thing is really, I mean, that's why it's called employee engagement. It's focused on the employee, right? Um, and, and to Kimia's point, she talked earlier, it's really around Basic needs, recognition and confidence. Are we meeting their basic needs? Are we providing the tools for them to meet what it is that they need? And so, you know, as simple as employee health, right? Fitness, sleep, nutrition, financial security, even getting breaks so that they can maintain focus, right? And when we talk about confidence, it's that they are empowered, that they feel that there's alignment between what, between their jobs and the department's mission, right? And then recognition—we all want to be recognized for what we're doing. So that's the framework from which this is all built. Now, I, I mentioned that you know focus groups and jump teams. Jump teams is really where we are going out. We are talking. You know, when we did the focus groups, we heard a set of issues. So then we send in these teams. We're calling them jump teams. They go out into the field, and it's really about problem solving around issues. They may seem small. But if you're living these on a day-to-day basis, these have such an outsized impact on their experience, right? So here, here's a, a, an example: going on, going out to the southwest border, right? Um, they are now some of the things we heard was around IT issues. So they're sending specialists out to review and replace old equipment, right? So some of us would never think, but you know, when you think of things like bandwidth. Old old equipment, and just having teams go out here and hearing from employees and being able to um, fix those problems, facilities issues, you know, build old buildings, even old office equipment. So there's a lot of things as we hear people. I mean, there was even um, one around. Excuse me, you know, mission support staff chronically overextended, right? But they support our frontline workforce, and so while it's not just about. Um, focusing on the frontline employees. What about those who are supporting them, right? Um, they were looking at, uh, they would really value telework. And so site leadership started to look at that. There was another one with regard, another example with regards to uh, the use of Narcan. We had Narcan for their K nines, but staff didn't realize that we also had it for them. And so just that simple communication, uh, those are some of the things that we're finding, things that seem so small, but it makes your life so much better.
1: Sharon, you bring up a really important point. It's it's those small things, right? It's, it's easy to complain about a job. I uh, have so much work to do. But if my technology doesn't work, if my building's leaking, if, if the water fountains, you know, every third water fountain's broken, that just makes things even harder and makes you kind of more negative about the job, Even you know, even if... The job generally is, is helpful and valuable, and you feel good about it. Those little things. Uh, what are maybe talk a little bit about those jump teams? Are they three to five people? Or are they one person? How often do they go out? Any other details?
2: So you know, we we started piloting that the last few months, right? And now we, we've we've completed three so far. These teams are anywhere from half a dozen or or so. And for example, if we're going to a site that we know it's. Uh, um, IT issues or it's, or its fleet or facilities, we will bring from the appropriate headquarters office the, the folks that are in charge or, or leading those efforts, right? So we'll bring somebody from our CIO office, somebody from our security office, somebody from our facilities office. And so depending on what the issue is in that particular location that we identified from focus groups, we'll go out there. But here's the thing we also bring the local component, the local site right because this is not just about headquarters coming in to fix your problems kind of message that is not what we want to send right so we were you know for example when i said we went out to the uh, this, the southwest border so we very much had um CBP folks right so CBP uh, headquarters folks came out and then even the the local CBP folks were there as well so that's who constitutes the teams right um, and then also based on the functional areas we generally go out for about a week, uh, maybe a week and a half, depending on how many sites we hit in that region. Uh, Have meetings with individuals. Uh, Again, we will do visits. We will see what the actual issues are. We will talk to folks. We will have a meeting with the the local leadership, but also meet with the employees who are living this day-to-day, right? Sit down. We not just say, what are your problems? But we also try to problem solve while we are there. A lot of it is listening, right? Understanding what the issues is, and then after that we come back. You know, we debrief. Uh, you know, we try to look at what are what are things. Did everybody hear the same thing? Um, and then we start briefing it up. We brief our our leadership here at headquarters. We then we brief all the way up. We also we make sure that we brief back the component leadership, right, so that they know that this is that partnership again. Because the mess. This is this is a message of we are in this together. You have an issue. How can we help? Right. Um, So that's kind of process, of course, then takes several weeks, right? The the planning to go out, the coming back and then all the briefs and making sure, you know, if we're there, we might have heard a problem and we didn't bring someone out. It's coming back. And sometimes it's a matter of calling back and say, hey, can we get such and such on the phone as well? Because something's come up we weren't anticipating. And we're tracking all the issues, uh, all the issues that we have heard, um, assigning them to the appropriate person. But not just doing that, but then following up back uh, that they have addressed these.
0: The, the one thing I would add to that is I know we're talking about um, this team and how I want to I want to mention how it started. Uh, the jump team uh, was created after we started doing focus groups and on the ground talk. And so we brought back uh, uh, individuals who participated in those focus groups and we said, like, how can we help? And those teams uh, came up with this notion of. It will be great if there was more on the ground, take a look at what's going on. And that's how these teams were created. And so it's not that management or senior leaders uh, came up with this notion of sending a small group out to the field to see if we could help them uh, take care of some of their uh, immediate needs. It actually came out of uh, employees who said, this will be really helpful. And so again, I wanna mirror that up. not only just doing, but it's listening and and turning that listening into something that's actionable.
1: Kimmy, I think that's really an important point that you bring up, that this is not being driven from the top, but really from the bottom up. And then you all said as senior leaders, oh, this makes absolutely great sense. Let's let's do it. Uh because it also shows that that headquarters isn't just demanding you do things, telling you what to do. Imagine that that also helps drive that that not just engagement, but getting folks again to circle back around to the recruitment side to drive that great story about hey, yes, there are problems, yes, there are challenges, but we, our management is, is much of different management today than it was five, 10, 20 years ago when DHS, you know, really first started. Is that the other message you're really trying to drive home? Because you want them to be those recruiters, you want them to go out and talk about the good experience they have working day to day, whether it's on the border or as a TSO or in headquarters.
0: I I would, I would agree. And I I, I think so. At the end of the day, um, as a DHS employee, um, you know, this is a complex, sometimes extremely challenging um, agency. But if you talk to any of our employees, there's no other mission that they would rather be working in. And whether or not that's uh, an agent at CBP, whether or not, that's uh, a trainer at Flexi or a cybersecurity analyst at CISA or even the Coast Guard or Secret Service. I do think that um, a lot of times when you're so focused on a single number, so earlier you mentioned the FEBS, that single number, you lose uh, really the persons or the people behind that. And so, again, like Sharon said, we have this framework and at the base is the basic needs. And then we get to the other needs. And sometimes it is that leaky. If only I could use this water fountain to fill up my full water bottle and it sounds silly. But if you're in the office day in, day out, it it does drag on you. And I think that by DHS and with our current leadership, with the secretary, the deputy secretary and everyone else, they understand that we need to take care of our workforce. Our workforce takes care of the American public. And that's the big takeaway.
1: We got about a minute left. Sharon, let me just give you maybe the last word here. If there's one or two things you're really trying to accomplish for the rest of fiscal 2023 and beyond, if you could just maybe give us one or two things you're really focused on.
2: So um, I would say, you know, this conversation has been around engagement and recruitment. So I would say that our takeaways from this would be, so let me start with the engagement, right? And and, and this is what we've really covered. The theme is, it's about, we're creating mechanisms to hear from employees, and how to communicate with them, right? Because a big piece of this is communicating. But it's about, it's not just communicating in a broad sense. It's about their experiences. It's about the challenges, but even also the successes, right, on the job. Because this creates opportunities for leadership to understand the employee viewpoint, understand their circumstances, and then say, "What? what can we do? let's let's develop action plans that we execute and address where we can, right? Because that's what creates distrust between employees and leaders. And, you know, we always say, if you make sure that people are included and feel they have a voice, inclusion really drives engagement. And at the end of the day, that's what we want. Because when people feel this, they'll go out and accomplish the mission for you, right? The, the other piece is, Regards to recruitment, you know, and this also, I I feel again, recruitment and engagement tie so much together. We understand the importance of diversifying the workforce, right? And we know that recruitment and engagement are top, not just for the administration, they're not just top priorities for the administration, but also for our DHS leadership, our secretary, deputy secretary, and our entire leadership. So, as part of that, we constantly reevaluate our approach and our strategies. And so we look at what are our policies, what are our procedures, what framework we need to make sure we are putting in place and executing, because I don't just want to always be putting things in place. Are we actually doing something, right, so that they guide us so that we can be more intentional? Because to it's about being more intentional, whether it's our outreach, it's how we're selecting talent, how we're engaging our employees and retaining them, helping them, and, and, and also about developing our employees, right? So that's what I would... all right
1: well we covered a lot of that today obviously there's so much more to talk about and unfortunately we are out of time for today so first let me thank my guest kimia lee is the deputy chief human capital officer for strategic operations at the homeland security department kimia thanks so much for taking the time it's been wonderful thank you and sharon wong is the executive director of the strategic talent recruitment inclusive diversity engagement or stride also at the homeland security department sharon thank you as well for your time today
2: and thank you for having us great conversation
1: I enjoyed it as well. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion, Government Modernization Unleashed Workforce, sponsored by EY on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search EY.
0: Thank you for listening to the discussion, Government Modernization Unleashed Workforce, sponsored by EY on Federal News Network.